The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Schmo Zone podcast, episode 12. I'm Dave Schmolenson, a.k.a. the Schmo. My co-host is... Helen Esports. Gosh, it's so good to be back here in studio. I was getting cabin fever. I know. This feels like a holiday morning. Yes. It feels great. Especially after a huge weekend in sports with the Jordan documentary. You got the NFL draft. Had to be back here in studio. I was itching to be back. Heck, last week's episode, I was the schmo because I just needed change. So finally, we decided it'd be good to be back here for this one. But speaking of change, like you mentioned, so much happened this weekend. I know you were counting down the seconds for that The Last Dance, the Jordan documentary, repping your authentic jersey right now, number 23, the original. I don't think I'm going to be taking this thing off for the next four or five weeks. No wonder something was smelling. Yeah, yeah, just lie to the audience right there. You know I <laughs> smell fresh today. It's the schmo sash. It, it's growing in. The hairs are coming in. I give you credit. Yeah, the studio lights bringing it out. The hairs are coming in. You love it, right? Nah. Jordan had a stash, so I got to represent my team, my favorite player of all time, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. So it's definitely an honor that this is literally the only show in town. It captivated the entire audience Saturday and Sunday. I guess just Sunday. There was two-part documentary. Over 6 million people watched it during that night and probably over a million or two more since then, I assume, I imagine for the people that didn't see it. And it's getting the platform 22 years later that it rightfully deserves. All these kids get to see the GOAT in action, see how dominant he was, a man amongst boys. And uh, it's safe to say that that is the theme of today's podcast. Exactly. I mean, if they would have aired all 10, is it 10 episodes? Ten. All 10 hours we would have binge watched. We would have stayed awake the whole time. It was just that interesting. And there's so much to it. I mean, so many different layers to that story. 
how many hours did I spend on my computer just looking at other interviews and people talking about the documentary, looking at old footage and things that they were releasing since then, going deep into message boards, because you know this is like my favorite subject. I've been talking about it nonstop since the day we met and years yes. prior to. I know. It's, it's perfect, and that's why today's show, an absolutely loaded show, we're going to be hearing from two Zoom conference-style interviews that we had with Hall of Famers during this Jordan era and their respective right. Terrell Owens, T.O., six-time Pro Bowler, arguably the second-best, third-best wide receiver of all time. You'd only put Jerry Rice ahead of him. You can flip a coin or make an argument for Randy Moss, but uh, he was there playing for the 49ers during Jordan's heyday, and then you interviewed Mark Henry, world's strongest man, WWE Hall of Famer, and we asked them about their reaction with Jordan and talking about the GOAT and their stories. Yeah, and they had very interesting things to say. I'm super stoked for it. I'm stoked to play these things, too. It was an amazing time interviewing T.O., and I know you had a great time interviewing Mark Henry. Just getting these guys to open up and talk about his dominance and what he means and kind of what it would take a LeBron James or somebody exactly. else to surpass MJ as the GOAT and their specific elements of what that would entail. That is the most intriguing part, especially when it comes from athletes that were at the top of their respective sport. Stuff, you know, the big guys at ESPN would be drooling over. Exactly. And is it right to continue to make those comparisons between Michael Jordan and LeBron James? Listen... Until LeBron, and LeBron is going to surpass him, and he already has in points and assists and all those different categories, he's going to beat him in a lot of those categories based on the fact of longevity. He's already played longer in the NBA than Jordan did. Just It's just by the sheer numbers. You know, Jordan retired twice. He played professional baseball for a year and a half, and it's just a different game, a different day and age. He's going to beat him in the longevity argument, but it's going to come down to the accolades. How many championships is he going to win? How many MVPs? What's he going to continue to do as he ages? And he's only got maybe one or two years left in his prime. Who knows what that looks like in this coronavirus day and age we live in. But he's got some work to do to surpass the GOAT. So let me ask you this. With all the anticipation building up, towards the last dance and of course having guys like lebron james uh basically asked right espn to air it earlier because wasn't it initially slated to it was going to play in june yes. in between the nba finals games imagine what yeah. that would look like if this was played and lebron james and the lakers were in the nba finals against you know maybe the milwaukee bucks and Giannis antetokounmpo and every other night they're not playing you get an episode of this documentary imagine the content then if that was the case but what did you think of this documentary the first two episodes were did anything surprise you at all from it well i'm glad you ask travis let's kick it to this photo for those watching on youtube Let's show this photo. This is 1997. This is July 11th. This is on my driveway as a kid. This is us dyeing our hair. This is Dennis Wait. Rodman. What? Yeah. Don't don't tell the viewers which one you are. Okay. Well, right there is my childhood best friends. Uh, we got Michael Akimi right there. We got my best friend buddy, rest in peace, uh, Brandon Getzler. These are my childhood best friends. 
and uh, diehard Chicago Bulls fans. This is the 90s for us. This is suburbs of Chicago, 90s. This was like the Beatles. This was our everything. So we're wearing Rodman jerseys, right? Right now, the schmo, the schmo is supporting the GOAT, Michael Jeffrey Jordan, champion. They, they do it. <laughs> I've talked about that in the last podcast, champion jerseys. Um, they haven't gone to the Dennis Rodman side of the story yet. And I can't wait for them to get into the worm. And we watched the worm documentary in ESPN 30 for 30 on Dennis Rodman. Um, they're going to get to him. But the craziness of Dennis Rodman, who was literally had to be the glue when Scottie Pippen was uh, out at the beginning with that injury, with the ankle injury, rehabbing that on uh, that 97-98 season at the beginning, didn't return to January. So what do I think of what we've been seeing so far? Um, I initially anticipated a little bit more behind the scenes and less backstory, but I'm very, very pleased with them providing the backstories of these guys, showing the justice, showing Roy Williams and how passionate he is about Michael Jordan, talking about those North Carolina days, showing where the competitiveness really stemmed from. And when he hit that shot in the national championship game against Georgetown and where kind of the roots of the competitiveness come from, and then showing Scotty in episode two, and then kind of showing Jerry Krause, who's become the villain. I was going to say that. Oh, man. Uh, Mr. Swackhammer? It, it's like... Of Space Jam? That's where the character, 24 years later, uh, Swackhammer, I believe he was, the big short alien guy, uh, the bad guy of the Monstars and the Looney Tunes planet, or the, uh, the Toon Squad. Not the Toon Squad, the opposite, the bad guys. Going back to my Space Jam references... Anyways, that character, the villain character, was made after Jerry Krause. Speaking of villains, though, I feel like after that, everyone was just talking about how much they hated Jerry Krause. And people were saying, step aside, Carol Baskin. And that's so unfair. I mean, I can understand how upset they are at him. Scottie Pippen was so underpaid, like the 122nd paid player in the league. But look, at the time, he signed a contract in 1991. I think you got to put more pressure and fault on Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, for not renegotiating the contract or willing to entertain a conversation to renegotiate the contract more so than Jerry Krause. Because look, when it's all said and done, Scottie Pippen, you know, left for the Houston Rockets, then left for the Trailblazers, got paid, made millions in his NBA career. Don't let that fact be ignored. Sure, he was underpaid, but then he got his value later on in his career, and he came back to the Bulls organization 2003-2004, still been an ambassador for the team, so the bad blood didn't carry on years later, and Jerry Krause was still the GM there the years after the Jordan era. Was his ego wrong and did it get in the way 100%, but still give him the credit for bringing in the pieces, drafting the pieces, trading the pieces for that Bulls uh, team. Did you also tell me that you almost failed your driver's license test or something? <laughs> you have a great memory. We were talking. I try. Yeah, <laughs> we were talking about that. So the Birdo Center's in Deerfield. And when I was getting my driver's license, when I turned 16, I got it at the Deerfield DMV, which is 10 minutes from me. I grew up in Buffalo Grove, Illinois. And there's a stop sign, and it's literally right near the Birdle Center where the Bulls practice facility is. And I'm there driving, not realizing, oh, we're, we're right by the Bulls training center. And I didn't see the stop sign. I nearly went right through it, nearly failed my driver's test because I was so excited. We were driving by the Birdo Center where the Bulls practice. Because so many times when I was a kid and I grew up in the 90s, six, seven, eight years old, watched every Bulls game religiously. I remember Jordan playing the Seattle Supersonics and the fits that Gary Payton, the glove, the best defensive point guard in NBA history, gave 
uh, Michael Jordan during that series. And then the John Stocktons, the Russell, uh, Byron Russell guarding Jordan, and Carl uh, Malone would be a beast Hall of Famer in any era. I remember how, how like how amazing Jordan was and how I just wanted to get my parents to drop me off because I didn't have a car, obviously, back in those days to get it, wait in line or whatever I had to do, uh, just camp out to get MJ's autograph. Did Still, you? No. I mean, oh. honestly, everyone asks, what's the what's your dream interview is the schmo? With hands down, I'd only get nervous for him. And the only one that I would literally I have to get and I'll know I made it is when I could finally interview his airness, the GOAT, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. So what did you get in that driver's test? Do you remember? What do you mean get? I passed. I well, passed. Don't don't they grade you, right? Docking I don't points? I don't I don't think I remember the grade. I just remember getting my license and that's all that mattered to me. But that's, Most a, important. that's a great story, right? I still I didn't fail, but I almost failed because of That is a true Jordan fan right there. It is. And uh speaking of true Jordan fans, Terrell Owens, TO, the Hall of Famer. Love interviewing him. I've interviewed him quite a few times as the schmo. In fact, I credit T.O. Uh, helping the schmo take off in so many different levels because he was the second real big interview I had as the schmo character. And it opened up the floodgates to get other NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball players to come in and do interviews with me when I started this back in 2016. So I give so much credit to T.O., and we've stayed in touch ever since, and uh, he's been doing all this TikTok and stuff like that during quarantine. But once this documentary came out, I knew he couldn't say no to uh, hopping on a podcast and talking about the GOAT. Who could say no to you? Well, a lot of people have over the years, Helen. You know this. You almost said no to me when uh, I had to ask you to, to be my girlfriend. Hey. Anyway, so back to T.O. But we're here now, right? Yeah, that's all that counts, right? Yeah, so... Back to T.O. Back to T.O. Shall we play the T.O. interview? I 35 so. minutes of greatness. The Schmo and the Pro T.O. quarantine style Zoom conference. Let's play it. This is the Schmo with the Pro with the man who needs no introduction. The six-time Pro Bowler and the first one in NFL history to have his NFL Hall of Fame induction ceremony at his own college campus. Terrell Owens, how we doing? Man, I'm doing good, man. What's going on with you? Doing the best we can in quarantine. Hey, what's your tips while we have you here for the best sit-ups and push-ups on the driveway? Oh, uh, well, you know, I've been doing a little driveway. I did a, a driveway challenge uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago. Um, definitely just trying to just be motivational, inspirational, encouraging, you know, for everybody that was obviously at that time experiencing kind of some somewhat of an abnormal um, way of living, um, having to stay at home. Um, having to wear masks, um, you know, a lot of uncertainty. So just doing what, you know, everybody that I think of status um, and just trying to provide some some encouragement to a lot of people across the country because, you know, this pandemic is, is really affecting a lot of families, um, not only just physically, um, but emotionally as well. So um, just trying to do whatever I can to, to try to just, uh, again, put people in good spirits, um, even from the driveway challenge that I that I came up with creatively. And then just me, you know, be being involved, uh, uh, subjecting myself to TikTok. You know, I've been doing some TikToking um, as of late. Um, so I've been posting a little bit of that on, on my social media. So all the people that are watching, you can uh, follow me on at Terrell Owens uh, on my Instagram, my Twitter, and also uh, also my TikTok. 
all the amazing touchdown celebrations pay off in today's day and age with the TikTok world. It's carried over for you well. Now let's talk little hoops, man, because you're a college basketball player and obviously an NFL Hall of Famer. You were playing during the Jordan days. And speaking of the Jordan days, let's talk about this documentary because it's the only sports that's really on television. What's your thoughts of episodes one and two of the MJ and the 97-98 Last Dance Bulls documentary so far? Well, I mean, I think there's no question. I think um, obviously there's, uh, you know, I, I listened to Shannon Sharp's uh, comments about, you know, why now, uh, why the documentary now? Um, there is some speculation uh, or allegations that um, he, he, he basically confirmed the documentary the day that LeBron had, I guess, uh, won the championship. He, it was during the championship parade uh, that he basically gave the green light uh, for ESPN to, uh, to, to roll the, the documentary. So other than that, like I said, that's, I think that's a little far-fetched. But even if that is the case, even if that is the case, um, I think for a lot of kids in this new age, this new era uh, and generation of people that didn't watch Michael Jordan play, and they saw kind of on the tail ends of watching Kobe, um, which I feel like is just a disservice not to insert him in the conversation, especially when you talk about greatest, when you talk about number one and number two, we'll get to we'll get to LeBron. But obviously, everybody has witnessed LeBron's greatness, especially that this new age and this new era uh, of kids and, and audience. They never got a chance to see Michael Jordan play. So this this documentary, if you if 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 episodes one and two haven't convinced you as of yet why people are now saying that he is the great the greatest, not just now, but even the people that have been advocates of Michael Jordan and even the ones that have put LeBron in front of Michael Jordan, if you haven't somewhat flipped the switch or kind of changed your mind in episodes one and two, just sit back and relax because there's eight more. And I guarantee you, there are going to be, be some people that probably sway their decision by the end of episode 10, um, just from the standpoint of his mentality. Um, if you just watch and just listen to the, some, of the, so some of the comments and statements by some of the guys that he played against that were in the league when he was, at a, when he was a rookie, just from the, the, the bold statement that Larry Bird said, that he said that when he played against him, he said it was it was God disguised as Michael Jordan. Um, just at the age of 23, synonymous with his jersey number, um, you had guys like Magic Johnson, um, Larry Bird, um, all these players in the league at that time, Danny Ainge, that were already saying, they were already saying that he was one of the greatest basketball players at that time. And this is this is when he hadn't even he hadn't even sniffed he hadn't even sniffed a playoff at this point in time so uh, a playoff win so and on top of that he hadn't even sniffed a a championship an NBA championship so that lets you know right there that was kind of like a, a, a pretty much a a, a, a for a, a, a precursor to what we now know that he is the greatest basketball player to have a grace to basketball court. And Larry Bird's comments in that 86 playoffs were also the time before Scottie Pippen, his Robin, 
was even in the NBA at that time. He wasn't in the league till 87. Now let's back up a little bit. Take us down memory lane because you're one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. And you've played with arguably the greatest wide receiver and some say the greatest football player of all time and Jerry Rice. And then some argue that Joe Montana, the greatest quarterback of all time, certainly before Tom Brady, we can get to that. But then the guy, his incumbent was Steve Young, who you played with. What was it like being an NFL star in the 90s and what were the NFL guys saying during the Jordan era what was Jordan's reputation like in that Bulls team like while you were an NFL star um I think I mean for me it takes me it, it it's it's an honor I mean it, it and I take great pleasure in again at that time and then kind of thinking back back to then in the Jordan era and thinking about where I am now sitting here today as a Hall of Famer um, I was once, you know, there were there were people that were saying that I was the Michael, I was the Michael Jordan of football. So to 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 kind of, you know, have a statement said about you know uh, about yourself at that at that given time, and and then put it in the context of you know referencing you know being one of the greatest football players with one of the greatest basketball players of all time. I mean, that was kind of like the highest compliment I think anybody could have received. Um, but when you think about, um, you know, some of the greats um, that I've played with, you, you mentioned a, a couple of those guys, Jerry Rice, um, Steve Young. Um, and then, like I said, you you put in comparison, obviously they're two different sports. And then I think when you witness what Michael Jordan was doing, dude, it, it's, it's, it's hard to now kind of explain to this new generation of why we say and Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player of all time. And it, and it goes beyond their thought process because they're, they, they've only witnessed what they've witnessed, and that's LeBron. So, again, I think, the, as I mentioned, that the documentary, I think it's going to serve its purpose to kind of shed light on how good Michael Jordan was and then how great he became. And so it was a process. And, and it shows you really, I think, his, his, his will to become the best basketball player. And then it's not even, for me, it, it, it shows you where Kobe got his work ethic from and his mentality from because he saw a guy that was a rookie, did what he did as a rookie against the, the, the Boston Celtics, came in, just kind of took the league by storm. And if you if you listen to a lot of those guys who are some of these guys are Hall of Famers now um, that weren't Hall of Famers then, and you look at you listen at their commentary then, and you listen at listen at it now. Again, you have some guys that are speaking at speaking to LeBron in the same sense, but then you have those guys that saw it firsthand, played against them firsthand. And they're giving you firsthand knowledge and information. Um, I was going through some, I was going through some, um, some, some Instagram posts, and I saw some stuff, and I saw Stephen Jackson chime in, and he basically said, I mean, this, there's no question. He's played against all three. You know, what I mean, he's played against LeBron, he's played against Michael Jordan, he's played against 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 Kobe. You have to take into in consideration into account somebody that has lived it, breathed it, did it. And so you can't take somebody that's a fanatic like, like Shannon Sharp. You can't, yeah, he's very educated. He's a fan. 
and you can't discredit obviously his opinion, but you can't discredit and discount somebody that has played against all three and they tell you firsthand like why each is in their in, in their place according to how he ranks them and Michael Jordan is at the top and then there's Kobe. Like I said, it's been so disrespectful for the fact that everybody has looked over Kobe and now making the comparison of LeBron and Michael and Michael Jordan. Where is comparison i guess of, of kobe and michael you know and i and i tweeted the other day there's no disrespect i have no disrespect and i have all respect for for lebron james and 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 and, and what he's done and who he is as an athlete this this guy is the best basketball athletic player that we have ever seen that has graced a basketball court. So I don't take any of that away from him. When you talk about greatest basketball player that has every tool in his repertoire and can bring it out at any given time and give you a bucket, that's Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Totally agree with that. And you bring up Shannon Sharp. Both you guys are NFL Hall of Famers, so your accolades you guys both can speak volumes, but and obviously you both have great opinions that weigh their own merits. In your eyes, you kind of said it, Kobe Bryant ahead of LeBron. No one talks about those comparisons. What will it take for LeBron James in your eyes to surpass a Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan as the greatest basketball player of all time? What does he need to do? I mean, I think there's that's gonna that, I mean that's a that's a conversation in, in itself. I think if there should be any comparison, that should be it should be Kobe and it should be Kobe and go Kobe and LeBron. And then too, you're still gonna have you know you you're still gonna have a lot of debate. You're still gonna have a lot of opinions um, based on that. But when you think about the championships, the six the six finals, the six wins, no blemishes. Um, that's what separates the two, uh, in, in addition to the mentality. Everybody will see the mentality of Michael Jordan. I, they've already kind of got a taste of it from the, in episode one and two. Just, and he, he hasn't even really said too much. All you got to do is roll the tape. Do you hear me? He, he doesn't even have to say much. Just roll the tape for everybody that has doubted and has had some questions. This documentary is about to put a lot of people's thoughts and opinions to bed as it relates to the debate of who's better, LeBron or Michael Jordan. When you have guys like Jay Williams, uh, 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 Jalen Rose, these guys that have, have lived it, have, like I said, they've been there. They played against it. And again, they have the utmost respect for LeBron James, but there's no way that he's better than Michael Jordan. I mean, just from the standpoint of his, his finals records and championships alone, he's three and six. This guy's lost six, six, six finals, and Michael Jordan has won six, and he's gone to six and won all six. So that's what separates it for me. Never needed a game seven. He's also got a defensive uh, MVP, and he's 6'6", 215. He's not 266'8", LeBron size. He brought it every single night. There was no games where he took the night off. The only time he had the minutes restrictions when we had, he had the injury in the 80s and the franchise forced him to do it. But other than that, every single time you came there to see him play, he showed up and played his heart out and he came there to win. There's no tanking. There's no nothing. Michael Jeffrey Jordan brought it every single night. He was a man amongst boys and he was dominating his competition. He stopped multiple Hall of Famers from getting rings. The John Stocksons, the Carl Malones, the Gary Paytons. 
Well, I, I guess Gary Payne ended up getting one later on, or tried to at least. So he did it with Miami later on um, with Shaquille O'Neal in his career. But Michael Jeffrey Jordan, you said it, he dominated, and the kids finally get to see it. Yeah, man. I, um, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to, you know, uh, to kind of, you know, go back and forth, especially when you have a lot of, a lot of LeBron supporters. Um, you have a lot of Jordan haters. Um, but again, six rings on Michael Jordan's finger. Um, all the, all the accolades that has come with, with his illustrious career. And again, like I said, the next person in line, I think is, is Kobe. Um, I think, like I said, the documentary, I think it's, it was a genius idea. Um, like I said, from what I heard is they've always had this documentary. They had this content um, and they wanted, they were just waiting for the right time to release it. And for this is no better time than to do so when, when the world is at a pause. Honestly, I'm talking about the entire world is at a pause. All the people that love and adore LeBron, this will, I, I guarantee you, this documentary will sway. It will shift their opinions about who's the greatest basketball player. And I know I'm probably sounding redundant here, but when you think about it, it will shift their, th their thought press process about who's the greatest of all time. And like I said, we, we knew the media would try and, and push a narrative. Um, you know, again, LeBron's very athletic coming out of high school. Um, obviously, that's something that Michael Jordan, you know, didn't do. Um, again, you know, to have the career that he's having at this age, uh, at this time, and to be playing at such a high level, um, you know, it's very, very remarkable uh, to see what LeBron is doing. Um, that just shows you really uh, his desire, his ded dedication, uh, and his, his, his pursuit of greatness. And again, like I said, I'm sure he can tell you himself, Michael Jordan, I'm sure, was at the forefront of really him becoming who he became. Um, when you think about the athletic ability of a, a guy like LeBron, Michael Jordan didn't, have, didn't possess all of that. Michael Jordan possessed other things, other intangibles that made him who he was. When you talk about back to the basket game, when you talk about mid-range, when you talk about, you know, uh, you know, extending his game out to the three-point line, which is probably his weakest, that which is probably the weakest of his game. He wasn't really known as a three-point shooter, but there are times where he had to go in that toolbox, depending on you know what 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 house he had to wreck. He went in that toolbox and and he had to knock down he had to knock down the three. So uh, right now, like I said, uh, the generation of kids, like I said, like I said, that are all glued to this documentary. This couldn't be a more perfect time uh, to really just shed light. And it's really it's not even to really sway people, but I think the information how informative this, this documentary is will shed light and give you some insight on why people are so enamored, just like people are enamored and, 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 and in love with, with LeBron James. Now they will see why everybody's enamored and in love with Michael Jordan. And like I said, it, it's not just, it was more than just his approach to the game. It was the way he played the game. He had a mentality, again, like, like Kobe had, it was a killer instinct, you know, um, like I said, I'm sure if there were some type of uh, way to coin um, Michael Jordan's 
uh, approach to the game, such as like a mama mentality, then I think, like I said, it would do it just a, it, it would do him some justice. But just watching him and the way he carried himself, how professional he was, um, I mean, it's it's. I don't think there's enough words in a dictionary to really a uh, one word that comes up to mind um, to to really identify really what this guy has done uh, for the game of basketball, not even for for a global standpoint. Uh, iconic standpoint, ju but just from a lot of kids and athletes that have, uh, you know, even like myself that has wanted to be and play like Michael Jordan. You hear, uh, you hear, um, you know, from guys like Allen Iverson, who basically says there would be no Allen Iverson if there wasn't a Michael Jordan. You know, these are powerful statements. Again, we talk about some of the greatest athletes that have played basketball, and this is a guy, you know, <laughs> that played. That, that's under six foot damn near and, and play like a giant. You know what I mean? So when you have guys like that, that are really trying to not reinforce, but reiterate what we already know and trying to shed light to, you know, all these people that are trying to almost kind of force, you know, LeBron in front of, uh, in front of Michael Jordan, of course, the numbers, like I said, if Michael Jordan played in the era that Michael Jordan, uh, that LeBron played in, Bro, he would average probably like 40 to 50 points a game. That's that's what Coach Van Gundy said, too. And even the Detroit Pistons, the bad boys, the back-to-back -back champions, they create their own rules, the Jordan rules, to defend Michael Jeffrey Jordan. That speaks for itself. Now, let's also transition a little bit here. We're two days away from a cyber NFL draft. What do you make of doing this draft cyberly? What's your feel for this? And how would, the, if you're drafted cyberly, how would you feel as a player from college? Man, I don't even know, man. I've, I've been so into this Michael Jordan documentary. I've been waiting on this Michael Jordan documentary so much. Dude, I haven't even really thought about football too much. I'm thinking about, I got one more point before we go to football. Just think about this right here. Just think about this. Think about the Hall of Famers now that have beat, LeBron for a championship. You have players, and you you have you have players that have played against him. Uh, you have Hall of Famers that have played against him and beat him for a championship. You can't say that about Michael Jordan. Correct. You can't. You cannot say that about Michael. Sorry about that. Hold on. I try to turn my thing up. You cannot say that about Michael Jordan. That's what said that again. There are so many little statements like that that puts a big gap between the two just listen to what i said there are hall of famers out there saying that they hall of famer sons uh you know people's sons are saying that i beat lejon uh, i beat lebron james for for a championship they can't say that about michael jordan they can't they can't they can't say they can't say that about michael jordan it haunts barkley to this day it haunts Charles right. Barkley to the same. Hakeem Olajuwon, the first overall pick in that draft, he only got his rings when Jordan retired to pursue professional baseball, who, by the way, was getting much better at it by the day, and then came back to win another three-peat NBA championship. It's, it's unbelievable. Exactly. And that just shows you, that just shows you, it's, it's, it's almost like the MJ effect, the Michael Jordan effect. That just shows you, you know, what he did, you know, for the game. Um, and just you know, not only just a uh, just a regional level, but a but an just an international, just a global level. Um, you know, you think about how people 
um, you know, revere Kobe Bryant, you know, from a international standpoint. I mean, and LeBron is doing that. Um, that's where these guys have some commonalities. Um, when you think about their greatness and what they've provided uh, to the game of basketball, but that's what Michael Jordan did. He became a brand, not just not, not just here stateside, but you know, internationally. Does that get it all out, or can we talk just a couple minutes on football? Or- yeah, we can talk some football, man. I don't, I don't know, man. I think you know when you look at this, uh, it's unfortunate because it's it's not just. Like I said, this this coronavirus pandemic, it it's not only it's not only just affecting um, just the sports, you know, uh, major sports, um, but it's affecting you know high school kids as well. You think about kids that are not going to be able to graduate, you know, college kids as well. Um, you think about going back to high school. Just think about the high school kids that you know are not going to be able to walk across that stage for graduation. Just think about the kids that are not going to be able to go to their prom. <clears throat> prom is a big deal, you know, especially your senior year. I mean, some kids may not may not have gone to uh, a prom at all and, and waited to their senior year, and now that's that's not going to be possible. So now, again, you you fast forward and or you segue into uh, unilateral. You, you think about you know obviously football and 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 the draft and the WNBA draft was just just on Friday, and and I'm sure that was kind of like a, it's going to give you an inside look or blueprint of what, you know, what the draft is going to look like for, for the NFL. So it's not going to be any different. You know, and obviously they're mandating, um, you know, people, families to have no more than 10 people um, in the household, you know, celebrating obviously the, the biggest moment, um, you know, of these kids' lives and of their families' lives. So, you know, it just it's just the cards that, that you're dealt and you just have to, you know, um, deal with them accordingly. So, um, you know, I, I don't have any comments one way or the other, negatively or positive. Um, Leah, uh, I just think that's just where we are right now, and these are the cards that we dealt, and we have to, we have to go and play, play by, by, by that. Last question regarding the draft. You played for the Bengals in 2010. They got the first overall pick. If you're the Bengals, do you take the quarterback Joe Burrow from LSU? Is he the lock? Is the first overall pick in the NFL draft? Oh uh, man, I'm taking, I'm taking, I'm, I'm taking Tua Tagovailoa. Um, Alabama, I think this, Alabama, out of Alabama. Um, again, I mean, I think it's something that probably would be, if I'm, I'm the GM, it would be unexpected because obviously, yeah, you look at Joe Burrows and 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 what he did um, collegiately. Um, like I said, you you've had guys that have played equally. Um, if not better or just as good as Joe Burrows. And these guys haven't really fared out well. So, again, just because you have – I mean, the potential is there, but that doesn't mean that your play in, at the collegiate level is going to immediately trans transition and transfer um, at the professional level. But when I look at, you know, um, if I just happen to look at both tapes of Joe Burrows and I'm looking at a tape of Tua Tagovailoa, Tua Tagovailoa outside of the injuries. You take him first overall, even with the hip injury and all the reports about the physicals and stuff. You take Tua first. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, injuries are part of the game. I'm sure this is not the first time uh, a, a number one or a top pick um, has obviously dropped because of injuries and things of that nature. Um, I mean, 
what's going to be, what, what's the difference in drafting Joe Burrows and investing, investing a lot of money in him. And then he goes out preseasons and have a career in the injury. It's no different that the risk is going to be there regardless. So uh, I just think when you look at the totality of a, a quarterback's play and you look at how Tula, uh, I think he's head and shoulders above uh, the quarterback competition. When you think about and watch him, how he uh, dissects, uh, you know, and, and the defenses, uh, his ball placement, um, the way he delivers the ball. Um, again, like I said, his mobility, he's not going to be your Michael Vick. Um, for me, he's sort of like a he's like a Steve Young. When you talk about pocket passer, left-handed, uh, that's who he reminds me of. Um, again, he doesn't have the escapability of a Michael Vick. But when you think about a guy um, that's left-handed, uh, Matt Liner, um, these are guys that he eerily reminds me of. But when you talk about his his uh, his his timing, um, uh, the way he gets rid of the ball, this is something again that. That just—I mean—it's it's, eye-popping. It just—it—it it, it shows on the tape, um, and I, that's why I feel like you know he should be. Uh, I'm honestly, if I'm if I'm a GM, I'm taking him. Um, you know, keeping whatever pick close to vest, and, and if it's a surprise pick, I'm picking to a tag of low because you know when you when you talk about quarterbacks and and winning ball games, um, there's a lot that that factors into that. Obviously, management, head coach, and you talk about your quarterback, who's the leader of the team. Um, he's been there. He played at the University of Alabama. When you look at the, the, the success of, uh, at the University of Alabama that he's had, um, he's one of those guys that has continued that, that, that success. Nick Saban has seen that. Um, he saw that when they had Jalen Hurts um, going to a championship game. Jalen didn't play very well, um, inserted uh, a freshman, a true freshman at halftime to come in, and he, and he, and he took those guys to victory. That right there sets, you know, um, him apart uh, for me uh, from Joe Burrows. And even out of high school at the Nike Elite 11 football camps, he was the best quarterback. Trent Dilfer's ranting and raving about him. The schmo was actually there in Redondo Beach to watch him do it. Phenomenal talent and only got better throughout time. The last NFL football question for you, T.O., because, hey, get your popcorn ready. You were an outspoken guy when you were playing, man. One of the best of all time. Talk to me about Antonio Brown. Do you think another NFL team's going to give this guy another shot? Should they give him another shot? What's your thoughts on Antonio Brown and kind of where he's at in his NFL career? Well, I think, uh, I think first and foremost, I think if anybody's going to give him a shot, um, they will probably have to assess him where he is mentally, um, considering all the things that has transpired since uh, the start of last year, um, going into training camp and then into the season, and then ultimately him getting – getting suspended for the rest of the season. And then some of those, uh, some of those things, uh, uh, you know, uh, encounters that, 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 uh, that transpired, you know, throughout, you know, uh, throughout the rest of the season and into, into the off season. Um, so I think right now that that's first and foremost for a lot of teams to consider um, before they bring him in. Um, but outside of that, those things, I feel like he's a type of guy um, once he really really re re once he realizes and recognizes you know what he needs to do for himself personally uh, his family uh, get all those things in order then it's back to business of, of being the football player the great football player uh, that he is but I, I have no idea um, you know what the team's mindset um, an owner's mindset or process um, is as far as 
what it will take for them to bring um, Antonio in uh, for workout, tryout, whatever the case may be. Um, there's no doubt that the guy can still play. So um, it's a matter of, like I said, um, addressing these uh, these issues um, that 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 happened um, since training camp, addressing those things, and then, like I said, um, you know, I'm sure you know, sit down, um, you know, him with management, uh, owner, GM, or what have you, and then you know, have him, you know. Uh, be accountable for some of those things and and have him commit to them that they can count on him whomever that may be if they sign him going forward and that these issues won't be a problem but never to take away his his passion um, his love for the game um, he's a guy like I said a social media guy um, you know use that social media for the good the benefit uh, of some of the great things that he's about and that's kids uh, especially I'm, I'm here in Florida. Obviously, he wants to do a lot of things for for the community, um, being a good role model for these kids. Um, because a lot of a lot of kids look up to Antonio Brown. Um, I'm a big fan of his, and, and like I said, I know you have a a guy like Antonio Brown uh, that was a six round draft pick um, that played and came into the league with a chip on the shoulder, and then all of a sudden you recognize, oh my gosh, I'm I, I can play. I can I can play among the league's greatest and the best, and then you make a name for yourself. You know, sometimes you can get lost in your way, um, but this guy knows that there's a lot of kids in these inner city communities um, that are looking up to him, and he has to realize that he's a role model and put himself in the best light uh, to be that for these kids because a lot of people are expecting him to do and continue to do great things. And I'm sure once he gets his life in order and all these things that have happened out of the system and commit to a team. Uh, we're going to see Antonio Brown back in the NFL uniform. So I'm definitely rooting for him. You have a great relationship with Julio Jones. You train with him in the offseason. Who would you say is your favorite wide receiver to watch that's not Julio Jones? Who's emerging as one of the best talents at the position in today's day and age? Um, yeah, I like the guys with consistency. I'm not, I'm not all about the guys that are, you know, flashes in the pan. You know, obviously we're in, a, uh, we're in an era where social media platforms um, you know, and, and anything that you do um, on social media can take you from 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 a nobody to a somebody instantly. Um, so it's all about consistency with me. When you think about some of the guys that are emerging, um, you look at uh, the Odell Beckham Juniors. Um, you look at guys like um, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. You look at guys like Devontae Adams. Uh, these are guys that are on the rise. And so, in order for these guys. Um, like you said, outside of Julio Jones, uh, to be to be noticed and be um, you know and put in a category as one of the elite players to watch, um, you know it has to be consistency. And so, uh, as of right now, I think uh, yeah, a lot of people they'll be quick to ramble off like OBJ, um, but for me, like I said, it has to be consistency. He hasn't been consistent uh, since since he left uh, the New York Giants, and then last year, I'm sure by his standards, and I'm sure obviously. Uh, for analysts and people that have, have observed, um, you know, his play since he's been with uh, in, in that one year of uniform of the Cleveland, Cleveland Browns, uh, it's been a it's been a disappointment. So um, he knows that. I'm sure uh, he has a lot of uh, standards uh, and goals that he has set for himself. Um, obviously, that's not how he wanted to start, uh, you know, his, uh, his his career off in a uni uh, uh, Cleveland Browns uniform. But uh, like I said, every year is different. Uh, put that year, first year behind him, and let's rebuild. Get back to the, get back to the basics, and uh, you know, be 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 that and more that everybody expects out of OBJ. The schmo is shocked. You didn't say Michael Thomas. The guy doesn't drop a pass. He's been the model of consistency the past. Well, I, again, I 
totally forgot Michael Thomas. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, no disrespect to Michael Thomas. Like, yeah, he definitely should have been included uh, in, in, in those names as well. When you think about his production, uh, as you said, and you talk about a guy that doesn't drop, drop a pass, that would be, that would be DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, he did that a year ago. Uh, 100, what, 115 passes uh, thrown to him, 115 caught. So, yeah, so um, you look at another guy that's just equally as productive, that's Michael Thomas of the New Orleans Saints, and he has a great uh, situation down there in, uh, the, uh, in New Orleans, a great quarterback uh, in Drew Brees, and you have a great coach in Sean Payton. So um, he definitely has, uh, you know, has a, has, a, has a situation there that anybody, any receiver would love when you have uh, a guy – uh, especially the, the, with, with the head coaching abilities um, and, and the resume that speaks for itself in Sean Payton. And then, again, how can we not talk about Drew Brees and what he's done? Um, this guy is uh, still doing it. Um, I think he can probably play another two, three, you know, uh, productive years. It depends on how long he wants to play. But if I'm, uh, if I'm Michael Thomas, I want that guy to play as long as, uh, as, long as I can. Um, but yeah, definitely got to include Michael Thomas in, in what he does. Um, again, he's he's been been their number one guy. And then you're going to see DeAndre Hopkins now with Kyler Murray in Arizona. Can't wait for that. Tio, we appreciate your time. Final message for the people. I know it's quarantine. You're an optimistic guy. Stoked to watch the rest of this Jordan documentary series. Yeah. Hearing from the legend himself, Terrell Owens. Yeah, absolutely, man. You guys uh, follow me uh, on all my social media. Uh, that's Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Yes, TikTok. Uh, that's at Terrell Owens. And then, too, uh, just a, a shout out to, uh, you know, we just started started my podcast a few months back, uh, Get Your Popcorn Ready podcast with T.O. and Hatch. Um, so, yeah, we got to get you on our show as well. So uh, definitely you can uh, tune in to uh, our podcast on, on, the, on any uh, platform where you get your podcast. So, uh, yeah, definitely tune in. We got some uh, great guests. And so, Looking forward to getting you on there too, Joe. This pro, the the pro cannot wait to join the pros on the Get Your Popcorn Ready podcast. We appreciate that. We'll be on that. We appreciate uh, you, Tio. Have a great rest of your day. Stay safe. All right, no, no, no problem. Any doubt, anytime, no doubt. Always a good time talking to Tio. I mean, that's how you do it. You got to talk to one of the best who's ever done it, and he's one of the best football players of all time. Played college hoops. His opinion actually matters. And I had to ask him about the NFL draft happening in two days. Tui Taglavia. He's got him first overall and not Joe Burrow. I thought that was fascinating. But I love what he says about the criteria. And I loved what he mentioned that you can't sit here and compare Kobe Bryant. I'm sorry. You can't sit here and compare Michael Jordan to LeBron James with overpassing the Kobe Bryant or LeBron James conversation. And that I thought was key there. I agree. I thought that was a really interesting point. But also what I loved about that interview was you were able to talk to him about so many different things and to even the Antonio Brown. Yeah, and that's fascinating, too, because, you know, Terrell Owens was Antonio Brown before Antonio Brown and arguably better. I think better. Obviously, the numbers show it. But he was uh, the best wide receiver during his playing days. He was outspoken. Didn't get along with his quarterbacks, but uh, look, he had a long career. He set a bunch of numbers. What he did in the Super Bowl for the Eagles against the Patriots, playing on one foot, regardless of the, the fact that they lost, that performance on literally one foot, one leg, was something I'll never forget as a diehard football fan. 
Yeah, but like I said, I mean, that was an incredible interview. Great job, Schmo. The Schmo. The Schmo's interview. Thank you. And I appreciate that. We're going to play your interview with the Hall of Famer Mark Henry. And I loved in your interview that you asked him the same question as me, pretty much. It's without knowing. Without knowing, too. Is that what is it going to take for somebody to surpass Michael Jordan as the GOAT? What would it take LeBron? Because you and I both agree, and I think. Pretty much most people agree that LeBron would be the second best player of all time, would be the one in the conversation with Jordan for the go. What would it take for LeBron to surpass Jordan? And what I love about the interview that you have that we're going to play with Mark Henry is you're trying to get him to talk about a Jordan story. And then he brings up Reggie Jackson, the Hall of Fame baseball player. And that story was amazing. That was a great story and that everyone's going to hear the Reggie Jackson story. I couldn't believe it. It was great. And then, um, you know... Listen, I mean, everyone has their opinions when it's all said and done, but I, what I love that you and I did is we went to the cream of the crop, guys that were amazing in their respective sports that, you know, definitely were there to see Jordan's influence because they yes. were there during their heyday and get their opinion because they've lived it and they're living in this era that we're living in now too. The digital era. And, I mean, something I know that you're excited about particularly in 2020, the newer generation, right? Being able to learn more about Michael Jordan. Yeah, I think that's the most fascinating part about this entire quarantine situation is this younger generation literally has no distraction. So they can sit here and see this. They could see why so many people like me and older and some younger, uh, not much younger, I'm pretty much at the cutoff there, uh, just grew up with this guy, uh, Michael Jordan, and just him being your sports hero. Because every single time he played basketball, every single time he's on the court, you didn't think the Bulls were going to lose. There was this dominating factor. That's how I felt every single time. And I've never been able to garner that feeling when you watch somebody else perform. I think you see a little bit of streak streaks. And spurts of greatness like Conor McGregor in MMA, you know, the first double champion and uh, simultaneous. simultaneous champion, the, the champ champ in UFC history, like during McGregor's run up until he left to fight Floyd Mayweather in uh, boxing, like he had that invincibility that you can't touch me type feel to him, but it wasn't sustained nearly as long as Jordan. And we haven't seen that in basketball since Jordan. And where do you see it in other sports? What was also interesting now that you brought that up was in the documentary how they highlighted the fact that before Jordan, no one was really going to the Bulls games. They had like more people there that like a, an indoor soccer team or something like that. Yeah. It, it, nobody cared. They were not even second or third fiddle. I mean, the Bears always been king, football city, the Cubs. Even the White Sox, you argue, too, the north side and the south side. Uh, but the the Bulls basketball was was an afterthought. You know, baseball and football and hockey, the can't forget the Blackhawks, too. They took precedent over going to a Bulls game, and Jordan changed that. And it's just amazing that the city, who has been starving for a champion for and basketball since Jordan, they were starving for so long until the Cubs broke that drought, the 100-year drought a few years ago in baseball— but you can really tell how much um, of a city Chicago is in terms of sports importance. Like they really get behind their sports teams and those fans 
us. I'm still a Chicago guy. I lived there for 18 years. First 18 years of my life. Diehard fans, passionate fans, blue collar will get behind a winner. Speaking of winners, last note on just kind of what I observe and took away from the documentary. I have to say, though, love and respect Michael Jordan's mentality, his mindset to excel and his mindset for greatness, even when he was injured, right? And trying to play those extra minutes and kind of that put me in coach mentality. It was the Mamba mentality before the Mamba mentality. Like everyone wants to talk about the Mamba mentality and rightfully so Kobe Bryant's the next closest thing to Michael Jordan, but, and nobody studied Michael Jordan more than Kobe Bryant. You sure. can see where the mindset came from. That Mamba mentality originated from the GOAT, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. So with that being said, let's play the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, Helen's interview with the man himself, Mark Henry, the Hall of Famer. Yesterday, the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, was released. And I believe that you mentioned on your SiriusXM Busted Open radio show that in 1996, you had a run-in with Michael Jordan, right? Like a confrontation yeah. or something. Was that the yeah. only time that you've ever spoken to him? Uh, I think that's the only time that I really ever spoke to him. Uh, I watched him play like six, seven times. I went to games. Um, one of my teammates was actually the strength coach for the Bulls, uh, like 96 after the Olympic Games, uh, Jeff Macy. Um, and I, I sat, you know, three rows back at least four times and watched him play. His talent is undeniable. Like, everybody knows that Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan. He, like, he's not famous for, for a reason, but um, I had the same kind of uh, run-in. Well, it was actually worse with Reggie Jackson. Uh, Reggie Jackson, uh, you know, just denied that he was Reggie Jackson. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, man, you're Mr. October. I had a poster of you on my wall when I was a little kid. Like, you're Reggie Jackson. I'm not trying to blow your spot up and nothing. I'm just saying, I know who you are. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. I'm not going to draw a crowd to you. And he was like, oh, I'm not who you think I am. And yeah. turned his back on me. Like, like, I wasn't standing there. And I was like, you know what, man? Let me walk off before I beat this dude up and make national and world news like Mark Henry is a bully. He beat up a old man, you know. Some people just not, they, they don't have that thing like Irvin Johnson or, um, you know, even, even Tiger Woods. I watched, I walked and watched Tiger Woods for no apparent reason, just stop and start talking to like two kids. He just started just on his own, just, what's up guys? Y'all, y'all, you here with your dads, your moms? Like, just start talking to them random. And I'm like, that's the way it should be. And that's the way I've always been. I never turn nobody away. Uh, you know, if I'm walking up to a wrestling match and I'm mean Mark Henry, then, you know, somebody's going to get their ass kicked. That's, that's my character. And that's the way I carry myself. But when I left the arena, um, I ceased to be the character and I was the man. And uh, that was, that's always anybody that knows me or has remotely ran into me once or twice, they, they'll tell you who I am. Yeah, and they all love you. All the fans love you. Um, on the last note of the Michael Jordan documentary, though, did you happen to watch it? 
or I did. I watched it. I'm, I'm gonna watch the whole thing. I'm, I'm I'm super excited. His talent is undeniable. Michael Jordan, um, right now, currently, is still the best basketball player that ever lived. Um, I think LeBron is really, really close on his heels, really close. Uh, but they were different players, and uh, that's the thing. If if Magic Johnson and Larry Bird said that Michael is the best, I'm going to take their word for it. True. Well, what do you think it would take for LeBron to surpass that, even though I don't think they should be compared at all, you know? I think that um, he's going to have to have another couple of titles. Yeah. And I think that he's going to have to obliterate all of the records. Uh, he's, he's already close. Yeah. Um, the, the thing about uh, Michael is Michael was a uh, was a guard that was able to do what LeBron did at small forward being a bigger stronger uh, guy um, but when it comes to athleticism and passion uh, I think that uh, they both are equal mm -hmm. but when it comes to skill uh, I think that LeBron is a better overall player because of the rebounding being a bigger guy the assist um and and his his iq i think is equal to anybody that's ever played so um it is it's hard for me to to not be a lebron fan because i this era of watching him take the weight of a team on his shoulders and and just win there were times where Michael Jordan, when he was young, he tried to bear the weight of the team by himself, and he couldn't do it. Yeah. He had to get other special pieces around him to be great mm -hmm. and to win. And he said that he couldn't do it without uh, Scottie Pippen. LeBron took a team in Cleveland that the next best player was Kevin Love and won a championship. So... For all those people that, that doubt his greatness, they, they need to look at the, the man and his body of work. So I totally agree with him when he says that LeBron, in order to be the GOAT, needs to obliterate the records, win more championships. I totally agree with him there. But towards the end of what he was saying about the supporting cast, about Kevin Love being the second best player, hello, what about Kyrie Irving? Are we just going to disrespect him like that? His performance in the finals, that shot? I mean, come on, that game-winning shot without Kyrie Irving. You're not talking about a championship. And let's talk about hand-picking supporting cast members. We're talking about the third greatest shooting guard of all time, right behind Kobe and MJ and Dwayne Wade, his teammate, Chris Bosh, another Hall of Famer, Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving Hall of Famers, Ray Allen Hall of Famers, like LeBron didn't have help. That's all I have to say about that, Mark Henry. But other than that, great stuff. Mike truck. <laughs> no, but it's it's just one of those things where, um, we, and that by the way, let me say this: that was a much longer interview. Go to Helen Yee's YouTube channel to watch the full interview because this is a MJ themed podcast. But uh, I know you asked him about Ronda Rousey, which uh, and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, Ronda Rousey, Colby Covington, Daniel Cormier, and who he thinks would do the best in the WWE out of a lot of those MMA fighters who have expressed their interest. But like you said, I mean, and you're wearing the authentic jersey. That's how important 
Michael Jordan is, right? That we dedicated basically this entire episode to the GOAT. Episode 12, dedicated to the GOAT, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. I mean, this kind of makes me feel like I don't have to bring it up for the remainder of time, at least for a good amount of time, right? I mean, until once this documentary ends, we could kind of stop talking about Michael Jordan for a little bit, but this helps me just get it all out of the case. And to get to know me and my sports fandom at its core, a lot of it starts with Michael Jordan and my passion for the 90s Bulls. And wasn't, is NBA, was that the first kind of trend? That was, uh, basketball is a sport played my whole life. It's uh, what I grew up watching, uh, grew, and grew up idolizing. And basketball. Played basketball. Yeah. But obviously not at the level of uh, where guard. these guys are. Um, point guard, shooting guard. I, I was a forward until I stopped growing. But I when I, when I kind of cut off in my height, I had to become a better ball handler. And work on my shot, too, because I couldn't be forward anymore. I had to be a guard. But imagine that, the schmo in the NBA. That would be great. That'd be a fantastic time. Oh, the schmo talking NBA or the schmo playing in the NBA? Playing. Uh, John Stockton, maybe. Jeff Hornacek. I know, I'm kidding. <laughs> John Paxson. <laughs> Steve Kerr. I'm just naming all the white guys. So that's not fair. So what overall are your opinions of Michael Jordan? We'll wrap episode 12 on Helen's opinions of the goat after watching this, because when we first met, she was a LeBron James fan. We stole LeBron James fan, but you were just convinced he was the goat without even watching Jordan. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Two things. First one about the jerseys and real jerseys being champion jerseys, I guess I will say a little behind the scenes fact, right? Was it 18th or 19th? One of those birthdays a very long time ago, my um one of my siblings gave me a lebron jersey because you know lebron was my favorite player and it was an adidas jersey but i freaking cried when i opened it that was the only time i ever cried opening a gift but then now i know oh it's the champion ones well, that champ- are the real ones cha- well no champion had the licensing in the 90s and then during that time adidas had the licensing okay for a while. so my jersey it was, is it's legit. legit i it's still legit. have it because i think okay you're gonna test me here but i think it went champion then i think it went reebok then i think it went adidas then nike and nike was always involved they did the warm-ups i think in the 90s the the mm-hmm. bulls were wearing uh nike warm-ups and but their jerseys were champion but i think those were the brands the companies that made the jerseys in, in the order of the NBA, because now they're all Nike jerseys right now. Yeah. But before the Nike deal, I know it was Adidas. So that wasn't authentic. And when he was playing Replica. on the Miami Heat as well. Yeah, so, I think that, that's the crossover time. Yeah, but that, that was point number one, which I learned something new about that. And point number two, after watching the documentary or the first two parts, kind of like what I told Mark Henry in the interview, um, I don't think that Jordan and LeBron should be compared as often as they do, but I definitely respect Michael Jordan and do see him as the greatest of all time. At the end of the day, we just need to respect greatness, different positions. I don't know if we'll ever see another LeBron James again. 
and the pressure that LeBron had coming into the league, having the comparisons of Jordan, being on the cover of like Sports Illustrated and all the big sporting magazines and ESPN, primetime games, and high school as a 16-year-old, living up to those expectations. I remember watching his first game ever in the pros in 2003 against the Sacramento Kings and just coming out there dunking and playing. Um uh, just with his energy and with his skills, um, respect greatness at the end of the day. Yes, respect greatness, hard work, and anything you want to add? Greatness, hard work, and integrity of the sport. Doing things the yes. right way. Play to win the game, as Coach Herm Edwards uh, said for the Jets, that's always a meme and a quote to remember for the lifetime. What a show we had today. We hope you guys are staying positive. We'll make it through this. And uh, we'll be back with episode 13 pretty quickly. She's Helen Yee Sports. He's David Schmollinson. We're out. We're <laughs> out.